Good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. Hope you're doing great today. Everybody good? No? Uh, good. Alive and awake. Awesome. It is great to see you. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. Matthew, chapter 11. I'm going to get into this in just a minute. I just want to give a big, just, um, again, there are so many great life team members, volunteers at Life Church, that uh, every weekend service, it takes about 150 volunteers per service just to make things work. And, uh, and so our philosophy at Life Church is biblical. It's the staff, the pastor's job to equip the saints, that's you, for the work of ministry. And so uh, we try to leave it where God wants it, and that's the ministry to be in your hands. And so the band that was just up here, every single one of those are all volunteers. There's not a there's not a single paid staff person that was on the platform. Matter of fact, Noah Milan, who's leading, is a junior at Life Leadership College, and he'll graduate next spring. And uh, he's kind of already had some offers from uh, the D.C. area, from Virginia, from different places of guys. And I'm like, hey, Noah, I just think God's got you to be right here for right now. <laughs> Amen. And so I just, when you see those guys and gals that are up here, just say thank you. They, they practice. They rehearse. Uh, I know they make it look effortless, and they do all of that. And I just think it's great. I, I just sat there on the front row during worship and was like, this is just amazing. Uh, as I sit there and just think all of those people, I remember when they all came in. I remember some of them as high school students. And just, you know, when you're at a place long enough, you begin to kind of see that. And so just, just really cool. But that's just one of the dozens of opportunities every single weekend that you so incredibly get involved with. And I just, just, it's just a kind of a shout out to you. Um, I'm going to, uh, Nando will be back next week. He's on uh, honeymoon. So y'all need to give him a hard time. Yes, Lord. I've been posting on Facebook, got a big smile on his face, got that glow, you know. Give him a hard time for me because I will be. Next, next week it'll be fun just for that. So anyhow, because I'm going to make him come out and play when I'm closing everything out. I got a couple little surprises. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. So um, anyhow, um, but today I want to talk to you about the subject of simplicity. And uh, simplicity. And simplicity basically is a quality or the condition of being easy to understand or to do. It's easy to understand or to do. It's simple. It's not complicated. And when I read scripture, this is what I see in the Bible. I don't see some encumbersome, uh, complex, uh, unable to do type of a thing. I see simple. When most people encounter the Bible, they see complicated and hard. It's not what it was supposed to be, but it's not what the intent is. When most people encounter a relationship with God, they see hard and complex and hoops. and that, That's called religion. Listen, religion is man's version of the relationship that God intended to have as God the Father, the creator of the world, and you and I, his children, the creation. Simple. Um, and so Jesus says it this way, and we've been talking about this in this series on margin. And again, I hope you'll be back with me next weekend as I conclude this series, and then we go right into Easter, which is a great opportunity to invite someone. If you haven't invited a friend, family member, coworker, neighbor, I encourage you, take one of those invite cards and just simply invite someone. People will come if they're invited. If they're genuinely invited, they will come. And even if you invited them for the last three years and they've said no, but they've given you some bogus excuse, invite them again. Eventually, you'll wear them down. And uh, sometimes that works too. And it's amazing the people, there are people at Life Church that attend Life Church because someone just was relentlessly inviting them to come. 
And all of a sudden they came, and when they came, the Holy Spirit just so encountered their life that it just changed them. But Jesus says this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 28 and verse 30. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you margin. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy. It's simple. And my burden is light. It's doable. It's easy. It's doable. And so... The reality is, is that as I read the Bible, I see the teachings of Jesus to be just that. Jesus says the entire law, the entire Bible is summed up in two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. The gospel of salvation, of, of you and I being redeemed by God who loves us, is very simple. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but would have everlasting life. Simple. In Luke's gospel, it records what Jesus says of what his mission on this earth was, to seek and save that which is lost. Simple. I, I just love the Bible because it's simple. And for many of you, you've encountered a Bible that's been so encumbersome and so arduous and so complex and just, and there's no, and you, and you look at your marginless life and you go, how am I going to fit this complexity, this depth into my life? And what I'm trying to say to you is you're trying to fit religion. And religion will never, ever be simple. Religion is man's way of making God's simplicity complex. It's man's way of trying to put up hoops and put up certain pedestals and build certain tier systems, if you would, in order for them to secure their own power base. It's really what it is. But the relationship that we find in Scripture, the, the message that we find in Jesus, is simple. God loves you. And loves you so much that he made a plan and a way for you, for our salvation, through Jesus Christ. Paul says it in Romans, in the book that he wrote to the church in Rome, he said this, that all you have to do, Romans 10, verse 9, is to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. It's not about church membership. It's not about how many perfect attendances that you have to, to, to the local church. It's not about what you give in the offering. It's about an attitude and a condition of the heart. I, I, Jesus says in Roman, excuse me, Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, that he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. And if you'll just open the door and let him in, he just wants to come in and eat with you. It sounds good to me. I'm kind of hungry right now. It's all about relationship. It's all simple. But what happens in our world is we make things that are simple very complex. We take ideas that are so simple and we just convolute them in such a way that it just creates these complexities. And I don't understand why. Now, I'm just going to talk to you a little bit today because this is my own journey. This is how I navigate margin. I'm going to give you kind of four steps, four processes, four keys that I look for and that I evaluate on an ongoing basis in my life and in anything that I'm leading and a part of. And so as a, as a local pastor, um, you know, this this church here, there's millions of dollars a year that come through. I don't do that by myself. There's a team of people that we navigate that and lead that and disperse those funds. Um, I serve on multiple boards, um, uh, and, and so I'm in various different settings from not-for-profit, from humanitarian aid NGOs to uh, colleges and universities. Um, I, uh, um, 
you know, with, as God's blessed and, and, and there are people that are attending Life Church and that kind of a deal, there's complexities that come along with just the number of people that come in on a weekend and go out. Uh, there, there's, there's probably close to two dozen plus people that are on payroll here at Life Church. So, so we, we have a, basically a business that we're running in essence in that part. There's complexities to that. Uh, I, my wife would say I'm kind of complex if from time to time. Don't, don't say amen to that. Um, and so I deal with my own junk and my own stuff. There's just layers in my world. And so I'm just going to explain to you how I kind of do this in order to keep margin. And I think it'll be helpful to you, and I hope it'll be helpful to you, but I want to kind of keep it simple. Because here's the thing about me. I don't like complicated. I, there is, I don't like complexities. I don't like complicated. I, I, don't, I don't ever like sitting under a professor or a teacher that cannot take deep, abstract thoughts and reduce them down to very simple, understandable things. In my opinion, if a communicator, a professor, a lecturer, a teacher, a speaker, I don't care who they are or where they are, I don't care where they were trained, what their pedigree is, if they can't take that ideology and reduce it down to something that a third grader can understand, I'm not really interested in listening. Because I think that great gifted communicators have the ability to take very deep, complicated subjects and make them simple. May not be easy, but it's simple. It's understandable. It's doable. I can wrap my head around it. I can't tell you how many times I've sat in an office and I have uh, dealing with finance or dealing with some legal issue, and I've had to say, "Talk to me like I'm in third grade. I don't understand anything that you're saying. I, I, I'm not. I'm not steeped in the tradition of your academic or the discipline of your profession. Can you help me understand how this works? What this does? What you are, are saying to me?" Because again, I don't like complicated. I, I don't. I don't like. I don't like crazy. Anybody like crazy? I don't like crazy. I don't like drama. Woo, Lord, help me. I don't like high emotional drama. Uh, I don't like waste. Um, I will. We'll spend all day long, but it's investing. It's. I hate waste. I hate waste. I don't like redundancies. If things just don't make sense, you know, I used to be in my 20s when I would think, well, if things just don't make sense, I would think, well, I just don't have all the pieces. And at 45, if something doesn't make sense, it's because it just doesn't make sense. It's just crazy. It's a hot mess. You know what I'm talking about? Am I talking where everybody's at? You know what hot mess is. So I need to explain that, put that on the, on the video. A hot mess. Some of y'all are hot messes, right? And some of y'all's friends, oh, some of, oh, he went there. Some of y'all's friends need to tell y'all, you're a hot mess. Uh, we all deal with that from time to time. I don't like hot mess. I, I just don't. It, it's, I don't like clutter. This is something funny about me. Like the container store that's over uh, in Mayfair Mall, one of my favorite stores. I can spend hours. You didn't know that. I love all of that stuff. I come home and tell Tammy we're going to reorganize the, 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 the closet. Like, I have a dream one day of having a garage, like they show, you know, like where it's all, like the, the floor's all done perfect, and it's that speckles and the paint, and, and there's all the, I don't really do anything in the garage, but I just like all that stuff, man. I love all that. Love it. Oh, man, it's just, my, my motto, I'm an organizational freak. Every place has a thing, and everything has a place. That's just me. I, I love going into model homes. I love going, because they got everything just looks so nice. All the knick-knack, paddywax, all that stuff, you know. It's all set right in the pictures. And just the, the color skin. I love, I love organization. I hate, I hate clutter. Oh, dear God. I just don't. And things that are unnecessary. Why? Why? Sometimes I sit on these boards and people just drone on. 
on and on and on. And I'm like, somebody shoot me or shoot them or I'm going to do both. <laughs> I mean, I just don't like it. It's like land the stinking plane. This is not this difficult. I was in a meeting the other day. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out, time out, time out. You want this, da 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 Is that correct? And you want this, da 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 Yeah. Then that's it. You, you like it? We're done. Let's go eat. Why, why are we doing this? And this one guy said, well, because we have 30 more minutes. No, you have 30 more minutes. Deuce, I'm out, baby. I'm gone. I do not like wasting time in that. And, and so this is just me. Like, and I'm trying to set this up so you understand how I just don't like this stuff. I, and, and I, 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 um, I like to travel. Like, I like to be on the go. If you know me at all, I, I have a tendency to be a workaholic. I, I do not. I have what I call trucker's blood, man. I, I, like, I like to be on the road again, me and Willie Nelson. I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on go. I can get more stuff done in an airplane because nobody can get a hold of me. I, I can just get things done. I, I'm go, go, go. It's just, you know, uh, that's just me. And, and it keeps me going, keeps my blood pumping. I, I don't like to sit too long in too many places. Um, and so because of that and because of my need for simplicity, and my need for uncomplicated, if you travel on an airline at all, those two things don't necessarily go together. And so, uh, and so what I do is I just kind of found, like, I need, I need like, a, an airline that I'm going to, like, travel with. So I kind of get used to their idiosyncrasies because they all have them. I kind of have a way that I do this. I don't like a different concourse. I don't like a different place I have to go. And so some of y'all, you, you're, it's all about cheap. And I get that. And, and, I, and I'm, I don't like to waste. Remember that? But I find in the end, if I have to pay to go to the bathroom and pay to put something under my seat and pay to put something above there and i got to pay for everything i got to do, and at the end of the day, it costs me about the same amount of money that it does for me for, for another airline carrier. So I'm just going to find one and stick with it. And my wife says it's, it's crazy. But, like, she, she will be like, Aaron, let's go this. I'm like, no, babe, you don't understand. Like, you don't even get to choose your seat with those people. Like, they're going to put you in the back of the plane but next to the bathroom where they keep the prisoners. I, I don't want to smell that the whole time. <laughs> And, 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 and you have to get in line. It's like this cattle cart and the way they line it out. I get heart palpitations. She laughs at me. I'm like, no, I, I got a rhythm, babe. Just follow me. Like, I can tell you how long it takes for me to get from my house to the airport. I have a, I have a, I have a deck uh, at the parking garage there that I park every time. I know exactly what door I'm going in. I know exactly what elevator I'm taking. You think I'm crazy, but that's it. Because it's simple. It, it does. It's like a habit. I know exactly where to go. I'm TSA pre-check. I'm global entry. I am not standing in that line because I will go nuts. I will punch somebody or they will punch me and we'll be on TV and I'll be out of a job. So I'm just going <laughs> to, I know exactly where to go through. I know where to get my coffee. I can tell you the exact time before the plane leaves that I need to go. If it's delayed, I know, I know what questions to ask. They go, hey, is the plane here? Is the crew here? How long has the crew been in service? Because if not, I've been on a plane where all of a sudden, because we were waiting on the tarmac, we had to go back because the pilot's hours had expired. Oh, God, help me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly the plane myself and get there. You know what I'm saying? That would be scary. And so I, I just, that's it. And I mean, like, I, I don't, like, and, and I, I just, I mean, I, I went through one time. And I'm just with everybody, and I'm going through, and this is before I was like, how do you get that TSA pre-check? How about that global entry? What do you have to do? Because you did a little interview and stuff. And so I'm like this, because I'm going through, and I'm going through the scanner, like, beep. And I'm like, I don't have anything in my pockets. I don't have any shoes on. I feel like I'm just this poor person. I grew up in Arkansas. I'm glad I have shoes now, and I'm taking them off. And beep, and I go through again, and it's, it's T TSA. If you're a TSA agent, I don't mean you any disrespect. 
but just smile. <laughs> Be nice. I don't live in your world. And if your job is that uncomfortable, go, go work at Speedway. But just be nice to me, right? So I'm going through beep, and it's, it's this gal. She's a black lady, and she looks at me, and she says, Sir, what do you have on you right here? I said, Ma'am, I have told you. I have taken my belt off. I have pants. I have underwear. I have a shirt on. That's all I have. Sir, you have made this machine trip for you. I said, Ma'am, I got a gut. Maybe it's the density of my fat right here in this vicinity. In front of God and everybody, I took it all. Woo! Hairy chest, stretch marks, the whole thing. And she said, put it down, sir. Go through. Put it down. Go through. I was like, I don't like, I don't like a hot mess, man. I don't like complicated. Simple, simple, simple. Why do I like simplicity? Because it creates margin for me. Remember what margin is? Power, which is your ability, minus load, which is what you fill your life with. All the priorities, all things that you do, equals margin. I cannot necessarily increase my power, so I have to manage the load in order to keep margin in my life. See, simplicity allows me to maximize my power, my ability. And it allows me to minimize my load. I maximize the power and the ability. I get to play to my strengths. And I minimize the load. Because for me, I'm never not going to like I'm never I'm never going to like complicated. I'm never going to like drama. I'm never going to like that. So I can't change that. But what I can do is keep a simplicity in my life, a regularity in my life, a, 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 a plan in my life, some routine that I know this is what I got to do. This is how I've got to get there. This is what I, how I navigate this. And so for me, here's the reality. In the world in which we live in, the pace is fast, and it's going to continue to be faster. I just read an article this week on the new generation that's coming up after the millennials. Everybody's talking about millennials, 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 blah, 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 blah. Well, the next generation, which basically are my kids and younger, those that are in elementary today and early childhood today, your kids, they're different and the fact that they are aggressive. And I, I said this is what I thought would happen because there's usually a response from every generation. They're going to go at it full steam. They're not going to pull back. Uh, they, they don't like collaboration. They want to be independent. They don't want an open office system where everybody just sits around and drinks coffee and talks. They want a place to get things done. They're trying to accomplish something. This, this ideology of this world slowing is not going to happen. Information technology is doubling at a rapid pace, which means all those things, complexities, are coming into play. I mean, every time you buy a phone, a smartphone, there's a new one that's coming out. Every time you get one thing settled, there's something else that's new coming out. Every time you get one media platform developed and you get a rhythm, something else is coming out. It's always completely morphing and changing. So... Simplicity will allow you to maximize the power and the ability that you have. It allows you to minimize the load in order to create margin. So I'm going to give you kind of four keys here to simplicity. And these keys are kind of steps. They kind of work sequentially in your life. And, and so first of all is clarity. Clarity, when you know where you are going. Clarity, when you know where you are going. Do you know where you're going? 
This is about direction. It's amazing to me the number of people that don't really have direction. They don't know where they're really going in life. They don't know really where they want to go in life. They just kind of let life happen to them. That's where the drama comes in. That's where the hot mess comes in. And I'm not talking about being, uh, you know, obsessive-compulsive. I'm not talking about being overly uh, uh, controlling. But I'm just talking about do you have a direction? Do you know where you want your life to go? Do you know where you want your marriage to go? Do you know where you want your finances to go? Do you know what, what's your plan? What's your direction? What direction are you heading? I understand things can change. I believe in flexibility. I, I, don't, I don't believe in 20-year plans. We don't know that much into the future to know things. But we have some basic ideology, some basic directions. And the Bible talks about this. In the book of Habakkuk, when it talks about having a vision or a direction, it says this. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. There's that word plain again, simple. So that he that runs may read it. So write the vision, make it plain, so plain that he whoever runs with it can read it. You should be able to, within a couple of sentences, tell me what it is you're trying to accomplish. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's your finances, whether it's your future, whether it's a ministry that you're starting, what is it or whatever endeavor that, that you're involved in, what is that thing? I talk to people, and they go, blah, 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 and they just kind of go on and on and on. Put it in three sentences. I tell the staff, if you write me like paragraphs of emails, my mind goes dys dyslexic after about a, a few words. Just bullet point it for me. Simple. If there's a problem, I don't need, it doesn't take any Einstein to tell me that the basement's flooded. What I need to know is I need three options on how to fix it. Think. Process it. Put it down. What is it that I'm wanting to do? What is it that I want to accomplish? Where is it that I'm wanting to go? What's my direction? Write it out. It's biblical. Make it plain. What does that mean? Simple. What's simple? Understandable. Can somebody who's in the third grade understand what you're trying to do? Right now I'm working on a doctoral dissertation, which is just going to be an endless amount of, of academic blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, I have to take that entire doctoral thesis and I have to, a doctoral dissertation, and I have to be able to reduce it down to two to three sentences that are coherent, that I can explain, and that I can defend. Why? Because it's got to be plain. It's got to be simple. Even the most complex of thoughts should be able to be reduced down to a vernacular, to a metaphor, to a net metaphor that I can explain, that I can convey, that people go, that's what it is. That's the reason why Jesus talked in parables. The kingdom of God is likened unto a field. The kingdom of God is likened unto a man who goes and builds a house. Everybody understands that. I may not understand all the complexities of the kingdom of God, but I can understand what he's saying when he gives me a word picture. Make it plain. Write it down. So plain that he who ever runs can read it. That's pretty big print. That's a pretty big font. That's pretty simplistic language. Clarity. Do you know where you are going today? If you want to have simple in your life, you want to have margin in your life, know where you're going. Because it takes all the other, what about this, and what about that, and what about this, and what about, out of the picture. It brings it into, in, in, into clarity. Secondly, is movement. Movement is when you are progressing forward. That's the operative word in the, in, the, in the phrase. Movement is when you are progressing, you are moving, you are going forward. 
So you know where you want to go. Are you progressing forward? This is about action. Because I meet people that will write things out, and they got mission statements and vision statements and value statements. I see companies that have mission statements and value statements. I go into places that have all of that. I sit on boards that do all of that. And at the end of the day, I go, all of that that they have, they're not doing any of it. Because there's no action. There's no movement. There's no progressive forward action to try to achieve that. And so are you moving forward? Are you progressing forward? Whatever that is, whether you're trying to get out of debt, have you reduced your debt more this month than you did last month, more this year than you did last year? Are you saving, if that's what your goal is, saving more this month than you have last month? When you look at the numbers, because the numbers don't lie, what does it say? Whatever it is that God's put in your heart to do, whatever direction that you're trying to move towards, are you making progression? Is it action? Are you just armchair quarterbacking? Are you just sitting here lazy boy talking about tomorrow I'm going to do this and tomorrow I'm going to do this? Or, you know, if I had a million dollars, I would blah, 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 blah. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. No, you won't. Because you're not doing anything to move the ball forward. I love the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. It, it is the greatest book on vision that's written in, in all of Scripture. Because Nehemiah is under the occupancy of a foreign government who has destroyed his hometown of, of Jerusalem, and they've destroyed the walls, and the walls are a metaphor for the strength of a city. If a city is strong, its walls are strong, its gates are together. If a city is weakened or destroyed, the walls are destroyed, the gates are gone in disarray, it's weakened, it's destroyed. And, and so Nehemiah hears of the plight of his hometown of Jerusalem, and he's in a high-ranking official in this foreign government that he's working for, and he goes to the very leader of the government that ultimately originally destroyed the walls and left Jerusalem in ruin and asked for permission to go back and rebuild the walls of his hometown. And because of Nehemiah's uh, uh, his, his, his incredible, outstanding work and excellence, uh, he's not only is he granted permission to do this, but the government, which originally destroyed the city, actually bankrolls the project. Nehemiah goes back to his hometown, and there are people that are in and around that city that don't want that to happen. There are people that are in and around that city that don't mind if the walls get rebuilt because it's good for their business, but they don't want Nehemiah getting credit for it. There's two principal people that are involved in the distraction of this and, and, and are opposing Nehemiah. It's always funny how when you're trying to do something good, you got government officials, you got officials, you got people that try to stand in the way of progress of things moving forward because they really don't want things to move forward unless it's them or they have control of, or whatever. And so all of a sudden, these guys, Tobiah and Samballot, they're constantly trying to, trying to come at Nehemiah. They, they come to him uh, uh, kind of under the, under the radar. They, 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 they kind of come to him in this whisper campaign. They try to be nice to him, and they come to him. And Nehemiah finally says, in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3, So I sent messengers to them, that's Tobiah and Samballot, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. I can't come down off the wall to meet with you. Why should the work cease? Should it stop while I leave it and go down to you? That is a great statement for any critic, for anybody who's trying to stop the movement and the progression in your life. Whether it's a person or it's an ideal that's coming against you. Something that's trying to prohibit you from getting to where you want to go. Is Nehemiah saying, look, I can't stop what I'm doing. I can't cease 
the forward progress. I've got to stay on pace. I've got to stay on schedule. No disrespect, but why is me meeting with you more important than what I've been called to do? That's what a leader says. Because what, what, what are we talking about? Congestion. Congestion is anything that stops, slows, or constricts. If you have chest congestion, uh, con- uh, con- congestion it, it, it stops, it slows, or it constricts your airways. Asthma sufferers, you know this. Anything it begins to, the inflammation of those arteries, the inflammation uh, of your airways begin to inflame to a point that you have to have some type of a steroid or some type of, of, of an ingestible that it allows it to, to reduce the inflammation so it reduces the congestion so that the airflow can begin to flow the way it's supposed to be. We all understand this in traffic. Certain times of the day it's congested and so it stops the movement. What's congesting the movement in the life that God's called you to? You want to keep margin? You want to keep it simple? Keep moving forward. Reduce the, the, the congestion. Reduce the, 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 the people that will try to take you off point, the things that want to steer you away. And I understand. I've kind of got adult ADD. It's like I can be talking, and all of a sudden, it's like, there's a bird. I get it. I can rabbit trail just like you. I, I, the, 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 it's the shiny things. It's the new things. It's all of these things. But what is it that keeps you moving forward? you're going to have margin in your life, you're going to have to progress forward. Next step is alignment. Alignment. It's when your direction and your intention are congruent. They're the same. When the direction where you're going and your intention where you want to go are the same. If your direction is you're running on I-43 north, and your intention is to get to the beach in Florida, you're not going to get there. You can intend all day long, but you're going in the wrong direction. You meet people that do this? They tell you they want to lose weight, and in the same breath they go, hey, can you hand me another slice of that pepperoni? My intention is to lose weight. My direction, when I put it in my mouth at that point in time, is about 350 calories. Does that make sense? I want to do this, but my direction of my life is going in an opposite place. And so there has to be an alignment if I'm going to keep simplicity, if I'm going to keep margin in my life. There's got to be an alignment to be able to to, to do this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 says, Let each one examine his own work. Then we will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one should bear his own load. Every single one of us should look at the calling, at the work of our life, at what we're doing, and simply on a regular basis evaluate. Is the direction of my life, is the direction of of my intent, is all that direction, is it going in the same place that my intention is? Because most of the time our intentions are right, but our direction is wrong. And so they work against each other. And when you have that working against each other, it it reduces the amount of simplicity. It creates complexity. It creates drama. It creates conflict. Therefore, your margin errors are gone because your load begins to be consumed with the two of these things, direction and intention, pulling against each other instead of working together. Uh, This... I don't understand why people don't do this. I'm, I'm natural in this way. Not that I'm good. I just, I make a lot of mistakes. But I'm one of these people, I believe everything rises and falls on leadership. So if there's a problem, the first person I look to is me. I look to you, I look to somebody else. 
I find somebody on Life Church staff and they're constantly blaming somebody else, they're no longer on Life Church staff. Take responsibility for yourself. Own your own junk. You all have it. We all have it. If you don't know what it is, ask a friend and they'll tell you, you're a hot mess. That's the reality, right? And so do you have people in your life that do that to you? I have it in my life. When, when this message was preached on Saturday night, as soon as I walked off the platform, there were six people that met me backstage, and they minced and put together, here's what I did right, here's what I did wrong, here's what I hit, here's what didn't make any sense. They evaluated it, and I course corrected for today's sermon. Why? Because I want to make sure that the intent of what I'm wanting to communicate and the direction what I'm actually saying are congruent. I'm just saying, there's a few years ago, we did, it was an Easter weekend. Easter's kind of a big deal in church, right? Because preachers only work on the weekends, amen? I don't do anything else. The rest of the week, I just drink coffee and pray, and the angels show up. And, uh, and I really only have two weekends of the year I really have to do really anything stellar, and that's Christmas and Easter. As long as I don't bomb that, I get to work for another year. It's a pretty easy gig that I have. So I get done with this Easter message that I just think is like, a theological masterpiece. I'm just going to be honest with you. It was brilliant. Brilliant. I was so excited to preach it to you. I was so excited, and I had everything lined out, and I did. And, but then, and, and it was just like, there are sometimes you preach, and it's just like, what? It's like the angels in heaven just singing. Heavens open up, and this room feels like Miller Park, and it just opens up to the skies, and it's like, this is a great, great day. There are other days you don't quite get it. It's always your fault, never my fault. You just don't get it. The crowd's flat. Nobody gets it. These people are all going to hell. Next group. Let's just go, right? I'm teasing, but you understand. I preached this theological masterpiece. You didn't get it. You really need Jesus and really need to get saved because you need to get on page with what I'm saying. It's Easter, so I, I go and I have this evaluation. You guys understand I'm being a little facetious and sarcastic, hopefully. I can't believe he said that about me. So I walk in, I was like, what's up with the crowd? Like, what's up with the people? That was brilliant. <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, that was a, like a Shekinah word from God, rhema word from, I was getting all spiritual, theological, all this. And they all looked at me and went, it didn't make any sense, Pastor. <laughs> it, it, did it make sense to you? No, it didn't make sense. It didn't make any sense. We're thoroughly confused. People didn't respond to the altar call because it didn't make any sense. Now I said, you don't make any sense. You're just staff. You don't know this. The Bible says in the, <laughs> right? In the Old Testament, Moses leaned on his staff and he died. Th this is what's happening to me right now. I just need myself a new staff because that was a theological masterpiece. Tammy comes in. I said, let's ask her. She knows. She married me. She's a wise woman. I said, babe. She goes, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> so I changed it because I had to evaluate. It didn't make any sense. It was awesome to me. I got it all. But my intention of what I was trying to communicate and what I actually communicated was not congruent. Therefore, you as a congregation weren't able to receive it. Not because of you, but because of me. So I had to adjust, evaluate. If you don't evaluate yourself, your life, your business in an honest fashion and really make course corrections, you'll never grow. 
Your marriage won't grow. Your finances won't grow. Your family won't grow. Your business won't grow. You won't grow. I'm not saying you won't get to heaven. But if you want to keep simplicity in your life, margin in your life, you have to have alignment. And the last thing is focus. Focus. Avoiding the detours in order to achieve the destination. Staying on mark. Avoiding the detours. There's all kinds of off-ramps that you can take on the way to get where you're wanting to go. Avoiding those to achieve destination. I'm going to talk more about this next week, but I want to give you this verse, and we're going to close. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Paul says, Brethren, I do not consider or count myself to have apprehended, to achieved. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is about elimination. This is about saying no. This is about cleaning the clutter. This is about keeping focused on the goal. I'm going to deal with this next weekend as we close the series. So I hope that you'll be back as we kind of wrap this up. This whole conversation of simplicity and of margin is not a static issue. It's not something that you achieve and then you move on. It's very much always in movement. And I just encourage you to evaluate and ask yourself, do I have clarity in my life, clarity in my marriage, clarity in my values, clarity in my business, clarity in my occupation, clarity in the things that God's called me to do? Movement. Am I progressing? Am I better today than I was yesterday? Am, am I moving in that direction? It, don't, don't get all hung up on how fast are you moving? Are you progressing? Are you moving forward? You're going to get there. Sometimes it takes you 20 years to become an overnight success. It's okay. Don't look to the person to the left and the right. You're running your own race. Stay in your own lane. Run your own race. But are you moving forward or are you stopped because of a congested issue in your life? Is there alignment? Is what you're saying and what you're doing, are they consistent? What you're saying to your kids and how to live and how you live, is it consistent? What you're saying to your employees and actually how you live, is it consistent? What you're saying you want to do with your finances and how you spend your money, is it consistent? Whatever it may be, when we have clarity, we know where we're going. When we have movement, we actually get there. When we have alignment, we, we reduce the amount of friction in order to get there. And eventually, with focus, we achieve what it is that we're putting our hearts to do. It's not rocket science. It's pretty simple. The yoke is easy and the burden is light. That's it. 